From Coney Island to St. Mark's Place. From Berlin to Alaska. From on stage at Max's to Tai Chi classes. From Lou Reed to Lou Lou. This is Talkin' Lou. Hi, I'm Paul Colantoni. And I'm Jim Callahan. And welcome to Talkin' Lou. This is episode number four. We're going to cover Rock and Roll Animal and Lou Reed Live. You get a real twofer here. Yeah, but it's the same show. It's all from the same show from December 21st, 1973. Right. Now, Rock and Roll Animal was the first of the two released in February of 1974 on RCA Records. Five songs, four of those are Velvet Underground songs, and one of his own. It was recorded at Howard Stein's Academy of Music, New York City. And the runtime is 40 minutes and 32 seconds. It was produced by Steve Katz and Lou Reed, and the single release for it was Sweet Jane. It peaked at number 26 in the UK and number 45 on Billboard here in the US for a 28-week stay, and it was Lou's first gold certification, which happened in 1978. One thing I want to mention uh, right off the bat, every, the playing is real, the crowd is not, if you didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. The, uh, it the, sounded a little... They, uh, Steve Katz, uh, like, who produced it, like you said, uh, right. had to actually swipe audio from a John Denver concert. No way. Yeah. So and even like all the crowd coming in right. after the intro, it like seemed a little that, too perfect. It's perfectly. It's him literally pushing up a dial, turning a, turning a knob, <laughs> something and that's just bringing the crowd right in there. Like, I that's great. I didn't read that. The the only thing that's probably real later, it's like it was a thing where they one of the microphones went dead, oh. where it was out in the crowd. So they got they got the good stuff. They got they got the actual playing. So that that was work. They right. they managed to salvage that. But when they were trying to get like audio from the crowd, crowd it was, noise, yeah. that a lot of it was lost. Some of it was salvaged later on. Right. And then, but really, it's it's not as good as it could have been. And like, it's really evident because uh, if you get the remastered version of this which has the two extra songs yeah, that one's like 48 minutes long, yeah that that adds in how do you think it feels and caroline says one mm-hmm. and that one's remarkable because you hear lou just yell at the crowd he just goes shut up <laughs> <laughs> and you would get more of that why he was like irate in that moment right. if like you'd heard the crowd but you can hear like whistling like somebody blowing a whistle, right? Like that—that that sort of thing. You, on you, Lou Live, you can hear that. Kind yeah, of. it's yeah. an odd noise. And that one—that was one where they—they they found more stuff that, right. because Rock and Roll Animal was a, a successful live album and had was kind of was kind of a hit. But so there was like that was so nice. Let's just keep on capitalizing on that sort of thing. It almost wasn't because in the uh, run up to this, uh, as we covered last time on Berlin, that album tanked. Critically, it was a failure. Worse, uh, commercially, it was not. It was a failure. And even though it did become like a staple in his catalog going forward, and more and more people gravitated to it down the line, in the early going, it didn't work at all. And everything else, personally, for Lou, was going to into the toilet. As we mentioned, his first wife Betty left him. She left him as uh, he was uh, first going on tour for Berlin in September. Uh, 73 she basically got into a cab and like and left and then and then hopped a plane back to new york city and she was gone Mm. and uh right after that like uh lou started playing playing some shows that were kind of a kind of a mess one big one of note uh in brussels belgium he uh caused a caused one of the first riots he'd had since 1830 oh wow since the belgian revolution well they had a good run (laughs) until they met lou reed he like he he, like uh collapsed on stage 
oh. and, and like from like a near overdose and then he couldn't perform and so ton, as they were trying to like carry him carry him off the stage and then like get him out of the building people started attacking like the car he was in yeah music fans go nuts this is not the you know no it's not the first or the last time that yeah. sort of things happen uh another major thing is like Oh, all the shows in Europe were a mess because he, like... James Brown was known for, like, being sort of, like... They threw a towel around him on stage. Right. It was Hardest like, working man in show yeah, business. Yeah, they, Like, he'd be, like, so exhausted. He, they'd have, like, an entourage come on stage and then just, like, sort of carry him or put help, the, help put him off. Put the cape on him and... Yeah. yeah. During this tour, people would pick Lou up, drop him on stage in front of a microphone, and then when the show was over, they'd pick him up again and carry him <laughs> off stage. He was, he was real class act. Yeah, and then people that their their stories thinking, oh, well, this is an act. But then people would see him the next day in a hotel, and he was just as much of a mess during right. this exact same time. The other major thing I wanted to ma- mention going forward is when uh, Lester Bangs interviewed him in the summer, he mentioned that like Lou was puffy and fat, yeah, and just like and really disheveled because Lou had been drinking quite a bit, and the drinking stopped. But then like. I don't want to say stopped. It got mixed up with speed more going forward. Well, and not, not, to, not to interrupt you, but Lester Bangs ever take a look in the mirror? Yeah, <laughs> but like it, you read Loaded. most of his writing. I mean, like he was overly critical of Lou. It's yeah, like yeah. I, I can't hit that point hard enough because it it's a thing where like he for like a guy that purported to be such a fan of, the, of uh, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground in particular, he just could not stand Lou Reed as a person, and the feeling was almost certainly mutual. But like uh, Lou, Lou uh, was a little puffy going in, going into 1973. But then, as the fall and the touring went on, the weight started falling off of him. Right. And then he he had had like the same kind of a big like a uh, Jufro, for lack of a better word, like just the the big the big hair. Right. And then going forward into Rock and Roll Animal, like as they were preparing to tour, and then like getting ready for the America the American shows in Europe. He uh, finally decided to cut his hair, and they cut it super short. And I had uh, one uh, quote. It was described as uh, a steam-lined coif buzzed into a crew cut. <laughs> and then the, the look the look uh, that you see on this record, like some of the photos from it, is wearing leather, had toned-down eyeshadow, bracelets. It was more of an andro- androgynous look with uh, queer apparel. Yeah, is how they glammy how they man. Yeah, it's glammy, but like but for him. Yeah, but for him, that's the other Dressed thing. Dressed in black and still somehow yeah, glammy <laughs> because he's like people are still comparing him to David Bowie this early on, right? And this and this record kind of goes a long way to sort of and then even Berlin, obviously, particularly with this uh, live show, it makes his own statement that like I'm not I'm not David Bowie, I'm not even the anti David Bowie, right? But so, like, he's he's doing his own thing in a direction that Bowie would not go into at all. Uh, the other thing, uh, the shows uh, leading up to it, these were all plotted by Dennis Katz, who is the brother of Steve Katz. Dennis mm-hmm. Katz uh, was the RA, RCA exec, and it was his idea to, like, put Lou out on the road, record a live album in the first place to try to salvage what was what was a failure of an album. And his idea was, like, well, you got all these other great Velvet Underground songs. You have Transformer, and you might be able to make something out of Berlin if, right. with these players, which the players on this record are uh, Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner, who were on uh, the Berlin album, and Ray Colcord on keyboards, mm-hmm. Prakash John on bass, and Pen- Penty Whitey Glan. Penty Whitey Glan, that's right. <laughs> on the drums. 
I thought I said Whitey Bulger. <laughs> Penty Whitey Bulger hitting the skins. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a monster of a lineup for for what this album is. It's it's really incredible. Yeah, I mean Steve Hunter and Dick Wagner are like the real stars of the show. It seems like, I mean they're so tight and play so well together. This is the last show of the tour, so I mean they had enough practice. It was a thing where like they the band knew knew their shit. But the wild card was Lou Reed himself, right? Because they, because like some shows he was on point, but the most of the European tour, with the exception of the London gig at the very end of that tour, was a complete mess. And then they did, and then once they got into, came to America, they uh, they did a handful of shows leading up to the December date, in, in New York, and most of them went out went on okay. Although they did get like a uh, snowed snowed in in uh, Washington D.C. Oh, okay. Because this was, it was a uh, late December, and that was back when uh, winter could still be a thing in America. <laughs> Snowed in. The other thing uh, to to hit is uh, the order on the track listing is not necessarily the order that they were played live. Right, it's different than the original concert set list. And uh, what's the other major point? Oh, uh, Lou Reed's uh, grandmother died on October first. Oh, but he okay. kept on touring anyway. Right, just to show like he was like how disconnected he was from like any of the people in his life back home he just focused on his work more or less that and taking a ton of drugs okay and then with the lou reed live this came out after the next studio album that we didn't cover yet which is sally Sally can't Can't dance Dance. right so we'll get to that next episode will be sally can't dance but we just wanted to put these two live ones into one i guess like a mini episode this could be a regular episode. I don't know why. All right. We'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see how this. We'll see how this turns out. I have. I have things to say. Uh, now with Lou Reed live, uh, it was released March 1975. It's 37 minutes 49 seconds. Also on RCA Records. All the personnel is the same, of course. Uh, but it did chart up to number 62 on Billboard. And some have said it's a, a contractual obligation album. It's like, well, let's release the other half of that show. And... I think early on in the in his career, with the exception of Transformer, it felt like felt like a no, actually, including Transformer, because it, it just seemed like from the jump, every album seemed to be a, an obligation for Lou to do. <laughs> it he just had the yeah, attitude okay. of like, and really, I I could see it both ways, where the label's like, hey man, uh, you strike while the iron's hot, but from Lou's point of view, like at literally like minute seemingly like minutes after he gets done with an album they're already breathing down his neck to right. get another one because they didn't like the way berlin sold he's being forced upon to do a live re- a live record mm-hmm. and he's really he needed he needed like a small vacation from the amount of like time spent not only in the studio but on the road after right. like a solid like year and a half there's a just, guy not taking care of himself and uh, being constantly touring yeah, yeah and like working. and nearly dying once or twice yeah so going into this record, it's it's kind of it's kind of a a crazy like lightning in a bottle. He w- he was on point. He was ready to go. The band was more than ready to go. And it's a hometown show. Too. Yeah, and it's and and other like unlike the uh, show that he did at the very beginning of the year at Alice Tully Hall in January, which was had uh, mixed reviews. This one, there's there are views from it. Like I have a quote from uh, Chrissy Hind of the Pretenders mm. actually. Now, Chrissy Hind at the time is before she was in The Pretenders. She was uh, writing for the uh, magazine Enemy. This is what she wrote about Rock and Roll Animal, the album. He looks like a monkey on a chain, court geek, listen to him scramble to a corner, damaged and grotesque, huddled and rode in terror. It's like she's writing a poem already. Yeah. 
lashing out in a way that could easily make the current S&M trends freeze in its shallow tracks and the audience cheers it after every song. We're with you. Yeah, we always loved you. We always love these songs. Ha ha ha. Well, he hates you. <laughs> Christy Hines cool, man. That's She's like very cool. Yeah. So like you can actually like cite this as like a moment. I want to say like she it, she is like another like sort of a disciple of the Velvet Underground and Lou right. Reed, early Lou Reed. that was going on on December 21st, 1973. Oh, okay. It was the winter solstice. Mm. It rained that night in New York City. On the front page of the paper, there was a the big story is that Israel, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, the US, and the USSR all met in Geneva to talk about the Arab and Israeli conflict. Oh, okay. Because uh, earlier that year was the uh, Yom Kippur War, which was a, a big deal in Israel. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the many times where, like, they thought they were going to figure out a piece over there. and uh... Well, did they figure it all out? Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Everything's great. I don't know if you've been paying attention. I'm lately. sorry. No. That actually, and it's good to mention this because uh, it will come up again, actually, on record. Right. Lou, Lou mentions it very much later on, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Mm-hmm. If you didn't make it to this show, uh, you could always go to the movies uh, where The Exorcist was uh, just opened up and uh, The Sting was mm-hmm. number one. That's uh, one of the few movies that I can think of off the top of my head where it takes a victory lap in the opening credits. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> Not exactly. But it's like where, it. like, like say, like the end of Blues Brothers, where it shows. Like, I don't a think mo- I've ever seen The Sting. The Sting's really good. Yeah. But like, if you when I saw it the first time, yeah. it annoyed the shit out of me right away because it does that thing that you normally do at the end of a movie where you show like a montage of scenes from the film with the actors and like, hey, wasn't this a great time? But they're doing that they're at doing the beginning, the beginning? and right. it's like. What are you What are you doing, man? Because I, I I just got here. I don't know if I like you or not yet. Like, look, you got to win me over. And it was kind of an uphill battle, but that movie does rule. That wasn't was, uh... like a Fellini move, <laughs> something like that. Something I don't know, but it's it's very presumptuous right off the bat. But it's a good movie. Check okay. it out if you have not seen The Sting with Paul Newman. And... I have the Mad Magazine uh, uh, with the Sting parody on the cover over there on the shelf. Somewhere. Oh yeah, I think I've seen it. Where it's already. got Nixon on the front, you know. Yeah. This is a good one. <laughs> um, interesting fact about Lou Reed Live. On this one, Dick Wagner's guitar is on the left channel. Steve Hunter's on the right, which is the way they always were on stage, you know. I uh, did not Steve know Hunter that. was always performing right on stage on tour. On Rock and Roll Animal, they're reversed. Would, I don't know why anybody would do that, but... I don't think... You know what it is? Well, since Rock and Roll Animal like came out one way, and then I think Lou Reed Live... Is the later one? It's I think it's literally yeah. the one they did not put as much care into. They oh, just okay. said I I'm I'm gonna guess right now because in my li- my little bit of research of like reading three different books and then scouring like the uh, liner notes of things, okay. it didn't come up. But I'm guessing Lou, because Lou Reed Live is essentially a cash grab, right? A fun one from a fan point of view. Yeah, I yeah. love stuff like that. I'm 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 a simp like anybody else for it, but. <laughs> It's it's definitely a thing where they probably did not put as much care into it, right? And it's it's kind of a shame. It probably, among many other things, I I wouldn't be surprised if it gets a re release and remaster in the next few years, right? Like the rest of his catalog has been getting, yeah, some great awesome. stuff. By the way, if you haven't got a chance yet, check out the 1971 demo uh, record that came out this past record store day. Right, we both got it. Fantastic. Yeah. 
Well, Jim picked it up for me. It was nice. No, if I do say so myself, I <laughs> pat myself on the back here. I could not let you not have a copy of that. <laughs> right. Awesome. <laughs> so Lou Reed Live, this one has three songs from Transformer, two from Berlin, and then one from Velvet Underground and Nico. Right from the jump, the uh, version of Vicious on, on that one yeah. just absolutely tears. Yeah, we'll tears go track by track. Okay. All right, first with Rock and Roll Animal, track one is Intro slash Sweet Jane. How about that intro? That is how you start a it's, live record. I'm not sure if that was the first song. But I, I, do ha- I do have the original set oh, list. okay, great. Yeah, the, oh, like, as the uh, original album goes, like I have even on my vinyl copy, which is like the old school track listing, it's the intro slash Sweet Jane, yeah. then Heroin, which takes up the rest of that side, mm-hmm. then you flip it over... And then you've got uh, White Light, White Heat, and then uh, followed by... Uh, Lady Day? Lady Day, yes. And then Rock and Roll. And then, ro- and then well, yeah, uh, and Rock okay. and Roll. You can cut that <laughs> What I meant was the actual concert. Was that the first song they performed? Oh, yeah, yeah. That that one, that like, that one, they start at the start. The uh, intro was something that uh, I believe it was Steve, Steve Hunter came up with first. Like, right, ahead yeah. of time. I think yeah. years earlier. Well, yeah. at least earlier that year, for sure. Right. Like, since uh, he had been, like, messing around in the studio with Lou, Lou heard it and then said, hey, that's pretty good. Just, yeah, his website, actually, I think it's stevehunter.com, has a lot of interesting information on everything he's worked on. No, it's pretty cool. Not a lot of information, but it's, it was kind of cool to breeze through. But it's an eight-minute eight total track, because a lot of that is intro. And there's just so many guitarmonies. It's like guitarmonies. This is a great word. Yeah. All right. I have to give credit to my buddy Will Alvarez for that one. That's but that's that's accurate. It's like gay. Hey, shout out to Will. Check out these guitarmonies. They're guitarded. Like, <laughs> I could keep going, but I'm not going. I, I don't like think that. I'm supposed to say guitarded anymore. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, probably. But still, guitarmonies. Uh, that. That, that needs to be a patent pending, patent pending right now. So then it's, I guess it's fake crowd noise when everybody realizes it's Sweet Jane? Or? Uh, yeah, like oh, as, I, I know it, it's it's an illusion, but it's a good illusion. Yeah, yeah, Because it's, it's cool. like, because then that, that intro goes for a while and then you just like, you picture in your head as like they start doing the Sweet Jane riff and then they turn the, the thing up. You can imagine that's when Lou would walk out on right, stage right. and then everybody, and everybody would do that, which... He didn't come out right away. Yeah, they they let that they let that build up, and then he then he sauntered out there. Yeah, it's almost like there's some prog rock stuff. Like it reminded me they do these like off time hits mm-hmm. with everything. It's almost like twenty one twelve by Rush or something like this that. This whole record, this whole style, completely changes everything that was done on album for all these songs. Yeah, like it's it's a completely different way. This this was this could have been a major turning point for Lou Reed as a musician because for one thing he's not even a musician on this he's not playing guitar at right, all right. he like stopped playing guitar altogether live mm-hmm. and then like he he stay he leaves the guitar like sit for a few years there like, and doesn't play on stage he's just more of the front man yeah, and singer. like singer singing dancing around and then just wilding out that's yeah. that's his whole role at this point I would say, like, with for Sweet Jane, it's, like, this is actually a version that, like, if you try to play it on karaoke, I know firsthand, this is the version that comes up, is this weird live, oh, live okay. version. <laughs> it's, so, you're so get, wait, hold on, you're going to be... I'm going to mention every time about karaoke. angry people for eight minutes. No, it doesn't, it doesn't start but, off with the intro. Oh, okay. It just, it just, it just, go, it just cuts right to the chase, more or less. Okay. But, like, but, which is all you need. All you need to do is, like, But we can already tell with this live... 
with the live version of these songs that he's going to be I mean he's going to be like really belting it out instead of doing the talk singing oh, yeah, this that is, we're used to I, mean, I think howling this is this. probably where his voice starts getting destroyed honestly yeah. this is like you want to know why he sounds so different like not even 10 years later look to this record this this whole concert because this is indicative if that's the right word what would like kind of happen to his voice? Do you mix that and then mix that with all the, oh, the chain smoking he did? <laughs> yeah, the absolute monstrous chain smoking, which was normal back then, right? And, do- and doctor approved, so don't worry about it. <laughs> they all it, they just barely stopped running those commercials where the Flintstones were hawking cigarettes to yeah. kids. So I mean, yeah, it's just it's it's the era <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so yeah, like uh, I would say. Since we haven't covered the Velvet Undergrounds, like, uh, yet, or we might not, I don't know, like, just organically, just, uh, what do you think about just the song Sweet Jane in general? Like, where does it fall into the, your Velvet Underground songs? Like, is it like the second track on Loaded? I want, I think it's, third, uh, maybe. It's, it's, it is the second track. Okay. I mean, it's the second or third album. Because I believe the first one is Who Loves the Sun right. off, off of Loaded. And then I believe Sweet Jane is right after that. And then, the other thing about this song is... Uh, yeah, I've always loved it. My parents had a, a pet cockatiel and they named it Sweet Jane. Oh, that's know? nice. <laughs> <laughs> the The song itself, uh, when it was originally released, uh, they took out the bridge like against Lou's, uh, Lou's uh, uh, wishes. Like the whole like, line of uh, heavenly wine and roses, yeah. that, that whole line, that's gone. They reinserted it later. and mm. But like probably you can still like get like you re- like as it was originally released with with that that little like bridge there missing weird that, that little that little set of lyrics which is like amazing because that's like kind of like kind of the crux of the song so you miss the the whole la 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 really maybe that was just the single or do you think it was like no a, that was like that was on the record, on, on the, record huh. the original record they they took that off of there it, like everything else when it came to it came to making loaded he was already at his wits end and he was burned right. out and then they released it pretty much after like he'd all but left the band right that's doug yule on the back of the album there it's yeah. not it's not him good old dougie yep oh that should also uh should uh remind everybody uh anybody that was uh seeing uh lou reed back then hey i hope they'll play some tracks of that new velvet underground album that came out yeah. which is this the one that squeeze. doesn't have squeeze yeah. that yeah. doesn't have lou reed on it <laughs> So, but uh, unfortunately, they would have been sorely disappointed. This is a Dougie Yule vehicle called Squeeze. Don't know what was on it. I I think I may have. We could probably play tracks from it on oh, this I, podcast, I, and oh, then and then Apple and I, really I just wouldn't care, so they wouldn't. I think us. I think we can get away with it. I I do have like a small sample of it. Bear with me for half a second. Here's one. Here's one great song right here. That's one, and then uh, you got this. Wow. <laughs> really going for you it. Hear that? You want to hear that again? Or... Oh, wow. Yeah, see? Wow, oh, man. <laughs> Good song. Good song. I see what you did there. Yeah. The crowd loves it. Okay, so after um, a whole bunch of jamborees and guitarines, uh, we have track two, which is heroin, which we've said before, it's like live, it's never performed the same way twice. Yeah, but I have always uh, called this one the Dracula version. 
that, and that's it's just because the 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 keyboards are like so, they go whole hog goth like haunted house. It's yeah. it's so creepy. I've had I've nodded off not not to heroin like doing heroin, but having this song on in the background. Yeah. Well, and, like, this one's thirteen minutes, and so it, it's like it, we got some long tracks. It, here. it it haunted my like dreams before. It's, yeah, it's it's a great great version of a great it's song. The Dracula version, but it's the Dracula version for me. That's why I like Brian Ferry from uh, Roxy Music. He sings like a Dracula. <laughs> well, I mean, Lou ooh, Lou ooh, is kind of a I monster like at this point, anyway. Yeah, he's yeah. the he's the rock and roll animal, he's as the, they say. The universal monster. They didn't make a movie yet. But like, this was a song that like uh, in the the writing of it was uh, directly inspired by like his. It was the it was a first success story for him because when it was originally uh, made produced by like Lou Reed and John Cale, like it's John Cale with the the viola, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then Lou, Lou like uh, playing the guitar, and then you got those like pitter patter drums that Mo Tucker is playing during right. that, and it's it's just it's a completely different feel than like this very well polished version with like an ama- amazing guitar solos yeah. and that creepy ass like organ yeah. organ grindery like keyboard sound that they're going for here, it's it's incredible. Yeah, and it's broken up with all these like instrumental jams and it. Yeah, it's a great version of it. It's not maybe the best. I have. It's not my absolute favorite. My absolute favorite, like, uh, it happens in 1976. Okay, uh, we'll we'll get there. I'll get that. I'll (laughs) I'll bring that up later. But just the uh, only other thing I want to say about the song "Heroin" itself is that this is the one that when Lou was in college, his college professor professor was this guy named Delmore Schwartz, Mm -hmm. poet. In 1938, he had been he had seen some real success. Then by the early 60s, he was considered a drunk and a fuck-up, and then was just teaching at a Syracuse, where Lou Reed was going. Mm-hmm. And Delmore Schwartz like helped uh, Lou like hone in his writing and take his art seriously. And uh, like heroin was an early result of like basically that bout of confidence, and then and then just inspiration that Schwartz gave Lou Reed. Yeah, and then he'd go to these frat parties and perform the song Heroin. Yep. It's like, what and people thinking? and people did not get it. Yeah, what is this shit? What yeah. is that? Like, Well, if they'd heard the, the song as it was performed right here, they probably still would hate it, but, yeah, it, yeah. but it would have been like that. Well, your kids are going to love it. it right? I was thing? just going to make that I joke. It was, you that. knew that. You know exactly. It's like, yeah, you guys aren't ready for that yet. Yeah. Um, And then track three, we got White Light, White Heat, also by the Velvet Underground. This version, I think, is awesome. It's got these Nashville-sounding guitar leads, but I think it totally fits in there. And then you have just a super dope slide solo later in the song. It's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. It's, like, rare when I hear, like, an album and I'm just like, because I've been playing guitar a long time. I'm not great at it, but I know how the Eddie Van Halen does his thing. I know how these all these monsters of rock do their thing. Yeah. When I hear a certain riff, I'm just like, how is he doing that? Like, where is he even, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of that. I don't play slide guitar. I never got around to it. I don't play slide guitar either. No? Or any guitar whatsoever. Oh, okay. As it turns out. No. Completely completely talentless when it comes to that and most things. Uh, I will say that uh, as far as the the song song goes, originally on the the album of the same name, the second Velvet Underground record, uh, White Light, White Heat, that record they made it in three days, as it turns out. Is that right? Yeah. uh, And the uh, title comes from a nickname that they gave speed back then yeah, which was definitely lose it was a lose drug of choice at the time 
And and it's so which is very appropriate that this version of this song is probably is way faster than yeah. the version that's on the original Velvet Underground. But that record. chuggy rhythm like totally works. It's, it's really awesome. Or the original one went for noise yeah. and like noise and chaos fuzz, and, yeah. and fuzz and chaos. This one polished, but like they went for speed, just like like the drug itself. And uh, the other thing I just want to mention about it, like I never knew this before, but they uh, thought it, that the titles, as I said, was a slang for amphetamine, but that amphetamine that conflates speed with meditative healing. And they got that from this lady named Alice Bailey. Bailey wrote over two dozen like books on theological subjects. Uh, my goodness, I, my handwriting is the worst. But she coined the term New Age. Oh, really? I never knew that. But that it's because Alice Bailey, New Age, New Age weird stuff that yeah. you get white light, white heat. All right. Thanks, but, Alice. Hey, it all comes from somewhere, man. <laughs> but like, I I just loved it. I just loved that 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 came out of nowhere. I, I did not expect to go there. Right. <laughs> figuring that out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, diving into uh, the newer stuff, there's a uh, Caroline says one, which is where you get the big shut up, and. Uh, <laughs> The reason why this one was not included on the record for better part of 30 years is Frank and and also how do you think it feels? Lou just didn't like his vocals on oh, this one. Okay. And it's fair they're, enough really. They they're a little shaky cuz yeah. like when he gets in there it's first of all he just he berates the crowd and then he just kind of goes hell I says. It's like he's like 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 he had a frog in his throat or right. something. <laughs> well, he's so confident with the you know with the A side and just Oh yeah, I mean he's been playing these songs forever. But how do you think it feels? I think it comes off pretty well on, on this on okay. this uh, this uh, album, the, this uh, remaster of it. I I love I love the way these tracks sound just in general. Like it's there are like kind of uh, what Berlin on record was when it gets to the Berlin stuff, especially on Lou Reed Live. Yeah. you could see where like they had to make. Where they where this is kind of almost the director's cut of some of those right. some of those songs. Let's make it fun. Yeah, it's like uh, Berlin, and then they just they set it aside and then just went for pure performance. Yeah, and it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, with track four, Lady Day from the album Berlin, uh, it's such a great performance. And like I said, you can hear him actually shouting. It's like, yeah. Lou, this is fun. I like this Lou. You yeah, know? it's it, it sounds like he's having a good time and enjoying himself. It, he's at least doing a really good acting approximation right. of such. Because we're so used to him doing the soft, uh, like speak singing thing, which is awesome, which I love. But, yeah, me too. But like here, but to hear him like you know, it's a different side for shouting sure. and howling. It's the fun. only thing, the only negative uh, mark I have, uh, I miss the flutes. Oh, there are right. no flutes uh, on this, and that that was that was the only that on the on the uh, the on the record. That's the only thing I. For whatever reason, they fill it out for me. Oh, okay, <laughs> I think I'm just I love the whole like big band stuff that they have on that album, but like this version, pretty cool, pretty amazing, and scary. Honestly, it's <laughs> it's just the 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 record's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the last one on uh, as far as rock and roll animal is the song rock and roll. Rock and roll. And uh, that was originally on the Velvet Underground album, right. uh, Loaded. And that's another extreme deviation from the original because I would say that the Loaded is like kind of a is a peppier album than some of the other uh, Velvet Underground records. Right. It's definitely it's got a lighter tone, more polished, more like regular rock and roll songs. Yeah, the avant garde. Yeah, but th- this is going for like all, damn near metal by way of prog rock. Is yeah. like kind of what you're saying. It's, like it's got another great intro solo, mm-hmm. um, and then got 
really funky guitar, and it's got that long funky guitar break, which is the guitar solo. That is, and it amazing. almost sounds like modern jam band type of. Yeah, stuff, you know? I think a lot a lot of uh, clowns I've heard uh, screwing off jam band like for good or ill. This like, sounds have like a... a scary parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> like my version of a scary parking lot. I but... I do love it. It's like shake it, down street. You get into it really fast. Yeah, and the crowd. I mean, I, if it's fake crowd noise, I, I think know, I think it's it. it's a thing where it's like there is like again it's like they got some of the crowd in there but the majority is like they they faked it but it works it's like it, it's, it's it like fooled me, it's, man. it's like editing a movie man or just like yeah. you know it's like it's all in the presentation and it really works although the at the very end of the song i am going deaf i think i'm pretty sure like as everything is like wrapping up in the closing seconds the, the song's finished and then you hear someone yell Merry Christmas! <laughs> I missed that. I'm pretty sure that's what's being said, which would make sense because yeah, Christmas is 21st. only days yeah, yeah. away. There is I love like, stuff like that. It's... Like, oh, listen, get, get your yayas out. You hear this drunk woman just uh-huh. being like, paint it black, paint it black, you devil. Well, <laughs> well when we get to uh, Take No Prisoners, that's the crowd there. The crowd noise is all real as it gets. Well, when I listened to Lou Reed live, which we're going to get into in a second, yeah. it was said that at the end of that, you hear somebody yell, Lou Reed sucks! Well, that's actually, it's great well, that you bring that New York, up. It's, like... it's great you bring that up because... Uh, an Am- I couldn't hear it. An but... Amazon uh, reviewer wrote for this uh, record or their customer review section, Lou Reed sucks, but Rock and Roll Animal is awesome. <laughs> Good review. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's honest. And I... I I'd expect nothing less. All right. So for the part two release, Lou Reed Live, track one is Vicious. And right out the gate, this is my favorite song on, and the whole reason that's worth buying the album for yeah. is like this version of this song. It's, it's like added, added wildly guitar throughout the song. It's not on the studio version. Yeah. And really, and just the arrangement, it's like that, that start stop way right. of doing things. And then, and then just. By the end of it, I'm I'm like pretty much like headbanging. Yeah, there's almost like there's like R and B or soul like stops. Oh yeah, like, yeah. It's but it's so much just like it's incredible. I I love the way this song is put together. Uh, this version of this song is just one of my favorites like ever in and his entire. Towards the end, we hear him screaming again. We scream, yeah, vicious. He is like, yes. really screaming at it's the top exciting, of the song. Yeah. yeah, and it sound, it feels like he's running around on stage. Should have like, called you know. it ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh track two satellite of love the ballad yes this so is, well of course yes so well this is of course a rockier version it's uh, it's actually i'm pretty sure this is the structure of this song the way it's played live is something that would carry through later is later in the career and right. maybe maybe toward the end i haven't heard every last uh ding dong live album that he's made yet but mm-hmm. Definitely in ten years from now, when he's playing with Robert Quinn, the the structure and There's more the guitar song, going on. The, the guitar, just piano but the alone, yeah. the guitar is very similar. The way the way they sing this song, the way the way it's put together, right? Very similar. The the one that's the thing that's missing, like in the later versions, is the piano. This this one really fills it out. It's really pretty. Yeah. I, I love this version of this song. And we don't have Bowie because he got punched in the face. No, well, the Bowie punch to the face thing is that's that's a that's old news at this point. Well, no, that's actually that's a thing. I, um, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, it will okay. happen. It's like it's it's a detail that like that people mix up. But like the story behind that, and we'll cover it again later. But just just to set this record straight, 
The reason why Bowie got punched in the face by Lou Reed is because Bowie told Lou to, that he wouldn't work with him again unless he cleaned up his exact, act. Yeah. But the reason why Bowie didn't produce Berlin is, A, he was too busy himself on tour with uh, Ziggy Stardust and then getting ready to prep another record, which would have been, like I believe, Diamond Dogs, right. like right after that. And then on top of that, the idea of Bowie telling anybody to clean up their act is just laughable Absurd. in 1973. He's, on... he's the thin white duke, like cocaine vampire, <laughs> man. Like... He doesn't clean himself up for another five years or so. Yeah. So that with that whole speech and uh, come to Jesus moment that Bowie gives Lou doesn't happen until 1979. Oh, way later. So okay, it's yeah. much, much later. They're both in much different places, but... For the, but at this point, Luce sure as shit doesn't like Bowie. He has animosity towards him. In fact, he even told band members when like Bowie was in town while they were recording Berlin that, uh, you want to see Bowie? Uh, we can't. We have a recording tonight. And he would literally hold them in the recording studio and not do a damn thing. Just kept them on hand so they couldn't go out and see, Bo- see, him, yeah. see David. He was starting to have a real complex about it at the time. Yeah. And it, like everything else, it's just instead of dealing with his problems head on he he filtered it through his art but then he ended up taking it out on people that like shouldn't have gotten taken out of so dang man that's that's the story there but we'll cover the whole bowie versus the lou thing down the line yeah but, as it happens yeah but that's that's actually that's a detail that uh the one uh biography like completely screws up and huh. really really annoys me because it, it happens like a full like six years later well like a lot of these uh two live albums you know the phrasing changes and he adds little snippets he adds little words like uh i was thinking of uh yeah i'm like everybody else i like to watch things on tv and it just made me think of him sitting at home watching tv he's like oh, oh my this he's like watching taxi uh, uh, taxi i don't think is on the air at this well, point but maybe just, hawaii, just humor me all right hawaii 50 let's or so the fbi sitting or, home, the fbi tv he's show. watching taxi just like oh this show's kind of stupid. It's just like not I actually, but actually, that's you bring up an interesting point about the way he he even sings live because, and this is something that like continues further. It's like there's improvisation not only in the way like the band plays and yeah. the way they've reinterpreted things, but just his singing style, which is something I've always liked. Is like it changes from song to song, from record to live. Right. It's never done quite the same way twice because he's always playing around with it and having fun and making it work for him in that moment. And then sometimes just readjusting the song because as he gets to be an old man, he just cannot possibly sing the same way right, he used right. to. So like he's, he's constantly changing the structure and the way his, I would say his tenor, the tenor of his voice like sounds. The but timber maybe. The timber. I don't know. Yeah, help me out here. Yeah, I'm not a singer. I sing like uh, I just hit my thumb with a hammer. Uh, that's. <laughs> I, I should learn this stuff. Since we're talking about a mu- on a music podcast, but that's half the fun. You tell me that I'm wrong, and I will listen. All right, I will course correct. I promise. But uh, the next the next tune, track three, "Walk on the Wild Side," the big one. It is, and it's a good one. Yeah. I I really love the way this one's done. He changes up the rhythm of his, his vocal phrasing, just like everything else. Um, but he's like really boisterous with singing it, which it's not like that on the album at all. And uh, it's you know it's super funky times and uh there's a part where he goes colored girls and then it's just two white dudes well i mean man. you you uh you hit me with the fact that i didn't learn that like 
the uh, thunder thighs were white women. Yeah, British. White so women, like, yeah. so so still, he's got white people singing the color girls part. <laughs> like but that does change going down the line when he gets the the everyman band. Like that, there there are some people of color more in inclusive. That finally, yeah. Finally, more inclusive. Yeah. But then he screws that up by writing a song called I Want to Be Black. But oh. we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll get to that. I'll save that one for yeah. when I have to listen to it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, if I talk any more about it right now, I'll break into a cold sweat. Yeah, so okay. we'll get to that. Don't say anything wrong by accident. <laughs> no! We'll get into it. But I, the other thing I want to bring up about this version... Uh, yeah. I, I think it's there's a lot of stuff with it. It's the piano where it's like it goes full Dracula, like I said on heroin. But then it also it's it's whatever keyboard that was just the style, the tone that they were using at the time sounds so much like a '70s game show. Oh, to me, or like is it just it just has like a weird version of it. I think it, it maybe it's going into the song next like a which would be i'm waiting for the man just yes track yeah that that's yeah, the one that's got funky keyboards in that's it, got the funky keyboards it's total like 70s uptown funk you know but it also feels like lou reed will be right back after these messages <laughs> there's something about it just like it's like just the way it starts the lou reed variety <laughs> show is brought to you by palm olive <laughs> When in, when in New York voice? City, when are cupping drugs, go down to so like yeah, like it it feels like it's... live from the big rotten apple. It's... <laughs> Musical guest Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> you pardoned me, man. You beat me <laughs> to it. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, it's but I'm waiting for the man. Uh, total seventies. Uh, it's funky, funky, funky. This got fuzz guitars on one channel and then just funky clean riffs on the other on guitar. And just like that crazy drumming instead of just the machine like I'm waiting for the man that we're used yeah, to. It like a lot of fills. Very, very, very cool busy. version of this song. Mm-hmm. It's just minor I don't even know if it's a gripe by pointing that out, but it's it's just it's just a it's just a tick or something that I have for this. But okay, like Okay, let's hear. One, well, just just what I was saying about like just the way the keyboards sound on this one, but like it is a lot of fun. This yeah. the song hustles it doesn't it like, does hustle it that's does good, hustle but it, yeah it hustles like it's about hustling it hustles here it hustles there yeah it hustles all it's not my favorite version of this song i honestly right. think my favorite version is done by the aforementioned david bowie that he does that he oh, does yeah. for the bbc that one has a very rocky major guitar solo-y version mm-hmm. just incredible and his cover of white light white heat as yeah, well that one very fantastic fast but and awesome but yeah. like I'm waiting for the for the man by David Bowie. That version of that song, just incredible. And this one, I if I was going to choose between Lou Reed versions, I would pick like ultimately the original that's the on on, the, on Velvet Underground. And I Nico. would too because I'm so used to it. Yeah, cause... it's used to it, but also I just because I like the because of the subject matter and just the way that song is. I I think it lyrically and musically they complement each other. Whereas this one, it's like. You just have to dismiss the lyrics a little bit more, and that's that's. I think yeah, that's what totally. I'm, res- I'm that's what I'm wrestling with with this record in general is because the lyrical content is so heavy in, on most of these most right. of these songs, and just when when you have like these funky upbeat versions of them, it's like it's not selling them selling them short or selling them out, but it is like sort of taking the edge off. Big yeah, time. it's a live experience, yeah. basically, you know. And I'm waiting for the man, like if with the subject matter. It's like you're not trying to draw attention to yourself when you're waiting for a drug dealer on the street. Even yeah. if he's wearing a big straw hat. It's like no. you, know, you don't want to be like, Which hey, was... I'm waiting for the... It's like, just 
which was the style of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's keep like it, keep it to a minimum. But the, this know? one, it, it just like it, it reminds me of the episode uh, Homer Palooza, where Homer is walking around like wearing a, is this a the ju- Simpsons. Yeah, on the oh, Simpsons. Okay. Yes, I was thinking maybe he's, you were talking he's about. He's walking him. around. He buys like a big Rastafarian hat and then puts a sticker on it. Says two hit for this planet," <laughs> and, and everybody calls him a narc. But like, kind of too like, hip for this planet. It kind of feels I, like that's I'm getting what, a new car soon. I think I just found my bumper sticker and stick on there. It, that kind of feels like Later what's going nerds. on what, going on with this song. It's like, like a complete narc walking around, like trying, like a cop trying to do the exactly yeah. what's doing the the subject matter of the song. But it's a great version of the song. Just it, it is. It's just it's fun. I, I just have that weird sense. But the original image. has it like it's letting you in on what it's like to yeah. be waiting for drugs and you know. And then the Bowie version of that song like has all that, but it it also it also feels like more dangerous somehow and okay. it just and kind of scary in its own in maybe own more what's going on in your head while you're nervous yeah and then and then the the crazy guitar solos like are really like nerves your your nerves are even worse because okay, like yeah. the the tone of the original velvet underground song doesn't change it's and that's what makes it good because mm-hmm. it's so for especially for the time so experimental just, just tapping your foot waiting yeah, for the man yeah, yeah and it's just like it's it's nervous energy the whole way through but the mm-hmm. bowie version's like excited nervous spastic, energy yeah. spastic that's good that's the right word for it and yeah that's all i have to say about that that song but it's just right i really i really love i really love the bowie version i think better than any of them i'm gonna have I'm to listen honest. to it later because yeah. it's been it's been a while i'm familiar with it but definitely check it out track number five is oh jim <laughs> uh intro's got these crazy tribal drums with uh like tom bass drumming and it's got like the really light bass and guitar single note hits. And this this is a ten minute track. I mean, we've got some long songs on this concert. I mean, the original version on on record's pretty long. I think it's damn near ten minutes. Oh, but okay. like, well, it, that makes it, sense. But maybe a little less. I think this is like kind of the director's cut that was like would have had it that Bob Ezrin like sweated bullets and then right. then ultimately drove himself crazy trying to narrow down. This is like really where it get the the musicianship gets to shine. You heard a lot of it on Berlin proper, but this version, it's like I, it's completely uncut, and it's amazing. And just this twin guitar team, yeah, just completely on fire. What you through both records? They're just soling. It's like, oh, do you have to solo at this part? Yeah, it's an improvement on. Yeah, you do have to solo. What was that term you you coined again, or will coined? The guitarmonies. The guitarmonies. Yes, yeah, the guitarmonies here. Just amazing. They're just like made for each other uh if you were tripping balls during this thing i mean like you'd still be high right now like are there like five this. guitar players right now yeah like, you know it's there's a lot going on it's just two dudes um it, i think they're both playing through les paul specials or les paul juniors or one has one and one has the other but i like those guitars even though i never owned one myself it's basically just like a smaller les paul and I think theirs had the double cutaways instead of just the one. Okay. You know, Les Paul's like with Slash plays. It's right. It's iconic looking yeah. guitar. Yeah. Even I know that. <laughs> I had one, but it was uh, uh, stolen a bunch of years ago. Son of a bitch. Who's got, had... pa- who's got Paul's guitar? You give it back this instant. Oh, who knows? It was... I let somebody borrow you it. You bring it back here and right then... now. God oh, I'll get it damn to you. I'll it. get it to you. And then I don't know what happened to it. I think he painted it. and then. But it was a cheap... It was an Epi, Epi Gibby. Uh, <laughs> Epiphone Gibson, Epi Gibby. Paul, I, I'm I'm feeling bad for you because uh, like let, not to let in too much personal shit, but your car was just stolen the other week. Yeah, yeah, a little well, a it's, week and a half ago. Yeah, that I mean, like, and now but these just, incidents are like twenty years apart. You know, doesn't it's, matter. It's like, You're a you know, magnet for thieves. A magnet. 
Okay. Uh, feel bad for Paul. Would you get serious? <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm just playing around. Um, did you have anything else for Jim? Uh, just that it's awesome, and yeah, and great. and the other, and to hit this point once again, uh, that just like the whole uh, lyrical content is uh, does not hit nearly as hard as it does on the album Berlin proper. Yeah, but like, but that's okay. And then, there's no context really. You're just like, I mean, you got this, yeah. and then sad song right after that, right. which are the big Berlin songs, and that like close out this this album and right it's just and like, they're really pretty they're huge they're they go they go for gusto but like they okay like, i had huge in my notes but didn't have gusto well there you go that's why i am part of this podcast yeah. so i could occasionally <laughs> add gusto and two bit yeah two bit oh yeah that's the other thing about you got you got right. all your two bit friends, friends over here again. god damn it yeah, and so yeah, he's not playing with his two-bit friends. No. These are no two-bit guitar players. And this may be a two-bit podcast, but this isn't a. This is not a two-bit two live. You're lucky to have two bits. It's <laughs> a one-bit, single bit. <laughs> yes. So that's that's all I got for Ojim. So yeah, those are the two records. Uh, sad song, great ending number. Just like on the album, it's a great ending number. Well, my my only note for it is yep. Yep. It's a sad song. It's a great. It's a Happy great title. Yeah. It's a great out. It's great at uh, closer. But like, I don't know. It seemed like uh, when you when I was looking up uh, like track lists, there was a lot of competing ones. Uh, they may have actually ended more on something like uh, they, they may have ended on rock and roll, but they may have yeah. ended on something completely different that wasn't even included on here. There could have been like as many as like three or four other songs that just did not make either album at all. Right. And unconfirmed. That's so. It's not uh, not even worth. Mentioning. It's not our fault. We're doing our best. Yeah. Well, that's just the way it goes. Uh, but like with this whole concert, I couldn't imagine even being in attendance. And like I was, we were talking earlier. Like, what if like Lou Reed solo records? It was newer music, and we got into them around the same time, and we listened to these three rec- uh, listened to these three studio records. Like, you know, let's go see him. He's coming to to, to yeah. New York. Let's go to New York to go see him. And then it ends up sounding like this. I would not be ready for it. it, it and would. I'd be talking about it for the rest of my life. Well, people like, definitely heard these these albums, especially Rock and Roll Animal later, and it made them fans. And it, and the yeah. idea was that Velvet Underground, the, the whole mythos of it started because of, in a, a lot of ways, because of Rock and Roll Animal. Yeah. And like people so really like only New York musicians knew the band. But this this exposed it to a wider audience. Right. And big uh, time. and people loved it and uh, and then ultimately led to the Velvet Underground nineteen sixty nine uh, double live record, which was split in half, mm-hmm. volume one and volume two. Ah. That did not sell as well, but it anybody who bought it once again realized it was pretty great. Yeah. And, and that I told you know, a friend yeah. tells a friend and yep. it starts a band and all that, yeah. But uh Right after this concert, uh, one uh, small little detail. It's like uh, three days later, so on Christmas Eve, 1973, Lou went back home to his uh, hometown of uh, Riverhead, Long Island, and then uh, got arrested for attempted uh, forgery of a prescription. Wow. And uh, he, the bail was $500, and his, a friend of his named Barbara Wilkinson uh, bailed him out. And apparently that was really hard to do because this is before ATMs and mm. trying to scrounge five hundred dollars cash back in nineteen seventy three. <laughs> yeah. Not an easy task. No. They had a had a little do a bit of begging and borrowing, but he got out before he had to spend uh, Christmas Day in the clink. You know, I was in River I was working in Riverhead when I was doing ponds oh, yeah. for like I guess a couple months. I guess like the twenty twenty the pandemic was happening. Okay. We're building a humongous pond. It was basically like a lake. No kidding. Uh, 
in Riverhead, Long Island. And I had the best cannoli I ever had down the street from there. I came back to Philly, and they all suck here. Is Not that right? even close. No. I tried all these bakeries, and it's like... You just I can't know, get it right? Chasing the dragon. I was just going to say. And it was just like a pizza place. It wasn't like... I mean, it was great food, and their pasta was great, but this cannoli was like incredible it was like mostly ricotta and not like a bag of sugar in it you know wow which made it like it was just perfect perfect dessert probably the best dessert i've ever had if i didn't just pig out <laughs> on complete junk food an hour before i got here that would all feel very delicious you know, now i have a mixed feeling of being hungry and then sick to my stomach right now because so well i'm like it's not guy, your fault i'm like the guy at the end of college like, this cannoli sucks <laughs> <laughs> The album was successful, as you said. It, yeah. went, it went ultimately went gold, although it took a few years. But like, it was a thing where like Lou uh, had some success and then immediately resented it. <laughs> and so, uh, going forward into 1974, we see the fallout from that. Next time, we will check in with 1974's "Sally Can't Dance." Sally can't dance no more. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, uh, guitar I... heroics. <laughs> That's a line I forgot to use. Guitar heroics. That, is that like a sequel to Guitar Hero? Guitar I had Heroics? Guitar Hero and then I added ICS because I didn't want to <laughs> confuse people with Guitar Hero. I was I, I played Guitar Hero like once with a friend of mine because he had it. Like, this doesn't even make musical sense. Like it was well, driving me nuts. At, because I can't play guitar, that was like if I put it on like the easy to medium setting, setting I could like I can manage three buttons on my left hand and yeah. then just sort of mess with the guitar no, I, I thought it was an interesting idea and i played played. it a lot at walmart it okay. was just like because i was working an overnight shift at a walmart like oh. 15 16 years ago and uh yeah on my breaks i would just screw around a guitar hero and my car got repossessed true story dang while i was working at walmart it's because i was too poor this may not be worth inclusion or not but just another fun fact about me ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed what you heard, please tell all your friends and give us a positive review on iTunes. If we missed something you think we should have covered, please send us a DM on Instagram. We're at Destroy All Radio Inc. I-N-C. And uh, let us know, and we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode. Talkin' Lou is brought to you by Destroy All Radio Inc.